Hello and welcome to Adam vs. the Man. Today is Wednesday, June 17, 2020. Yeah, I had to check my calendar for that. Every day, I don't know, the camera turns on and my brain goes, Whoo, we're going to zoom out and look at the entire world. That's what we do with Adam versus the Man, giving you a critical perspective on what's going on in America from a libertarian perspective and on world events from the perspective of someone who just cares about the whole human family coming to you live at our new time this week, 9 to 11 a.m. Pacific time. So here on the West Coast, start your day with Adam versus the Man, two hours of hard-hitting news and perspective analysis on what's going on in the world. You're on the East Coast. Hey, join us for lunch. And for those of you joining us live, thank you so much for making this show everything that it can be with your live comments, with your feedback. And what we've come up with in this new format of the show, it's still kind of new. I don't know. CJ, we've been doing this. Oh, man. Oh, and so, whew, especially doing it like this, when I, I'm trying to keep track of, like, the timeline of the whole human story and put today's events into context with world history on that giant, that biggest timeline relevant to you, I guess. No, I'm not I'm not really including astrophysics history in this. I'm not I'm not I suppose my analysis of well no it, it does, you know, I you know and, and as we've been developing the show, and I gotta say I am loving the input from the producer club telegram chat right now. It is so cool to be getting and we got uh oh I think it was Nicholas uh, who got us the This Day in Good News website uh, that we're going to be covering today. I like We're going to be adding this as a feature to the show. We're covering tech news. We're covering scientific discoveries, all the positivities, of, you know, positive aspects of humanity and our beautiful dance forward. And, and yeah, I guess, I guess that includes, I could go all the way back to the Big Bang. I don't, I don't know if I support the theory of the Big, <laughs> yeah, the Big Bang theory. If the universe is infinite, then how could it have started from a finite point and be ever-expanding? And I, we cover those kinds of stories as humanity's leading-edge minds figure these things out. But we also bring you into the conversation, and that's such a huge part of what we do in making sure that this is a cool, calm, collected adult perspective on what's going on in the world, unhampered by emotional outbursts, distractions, manipulations from the mainstream media, all the fear mongers who want to manipulate you, no. But in the producer club chat and in our comments, we get so much great feedback on a continuous basis, helping us do what we need to do with this team of CJ, producer CJ in South Dakota, and comment Jim Freedom, who should be right somewhere out there, yes, joining us from Phoenix, Arizona today. One more time. We're in, we're in, you know, Jim, about where we are here, I, I've been getting away from staying Ashford. I really like that we have a reference for this general area. Gardenia. You know, oh, Jennifer, uh, yeah. No, no, well, Gardenia, well, here in Gardenia, you know, the, the independent nation of Gardenia seems to be independent, sovereign nation of Gardenia. Uh, but Jim is coming to us from Phoenix today. Any uh, any hot comments so far this morning? Uh, well, I just wanted to bring up, not that it matters, it was Matt in the Producers Club that brought up the feel-good stories. 
And we only have one comment so far. VRX ends. Did your friend make it alive out of the fighting hole? I don't know if you talked about your two fighting hole. Wait a second. Did your friend make it out of the fighting house? No, is this? <laughs> I think this is this has got to be a reference to my most viewed video on YouTube. Yeah, of you. And let's, let's do like I, I don't know. Let's do like a quick perusal of the numbers. I haven't done this for a while with with my audience. This is fun because as as a producer, you know, who's been around for a long time, it, it's it's really fun to to look at some of the stats to peruse my most popular videos. And to like to look at you know my overall stats, I, you know not not to brag, but you know seventy two million views, pretty significant accomplishment. And you know it's funny two hundred forty thousand subscribers. It's actually uh, funny how that number itself has been manipulated. CJ, I've been I actually pulled up. I have a history where I've I've noted the subscribers. Actually, YouTube gives you the, the graph, but I in case they ever take that feature away, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take notes for this. And if you include, if you go to my dashboard, it's actually some like 80 million views. But I've got got a handful of videos that I put on private that don't represent me anymore. And it's funny, yeah. Well, we got 240,000 subscribers, 12 watching now on YouTube. These are people who are looking for this. Nobody's getting the alerts for this show. CD likes to call this the most censored channel on YouTube. Uh, but it's still fun. You can go back and you can you can look at the days when we weren't so censored. You go stored by most popular, and it's still this is hilarious. My very first no, CJ, go ahead and pull up the mo, pull up the videos tab. Just, oh, you're yeah, you're okay. You're looking for the subscribers over time. Pull up the tab with the, just look so people can see what I'm looking at. You know how to, you look at a YouTube channel, sort videos by most popular, right? And so my very first one, and I posted this when I started my YouTube channel with Rock Veterans Against the War. It was just, you know, uh, Adam Kokesh, Revolutionary Patriot. And this was the, I, I had gotten back from Iraq, and I had these videos that I'd never shared really uh, publicly. I just had them on, you know, on, on my laptop and uh, started posting them. CJ, can you pull that up? Uh, if you go to just the, the He's like, he's, 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 I don't know. I don't think you have to log out. <laughs> he's like, figure it out. No, can you there go to? Yeah. Well, there's the one video. Yeah. So, 9.7 million views from 13 years ago, 21 seconds. And it's, it's CJ. Why don't you just play that? Wait. Are we gonna? Are we gonna get more censored on this live show? We, hold on. No. Wait. I gotta think. What am I saying? Because it's. It is a little okay, risky. I think all I said is the A word. I think we're good. Let's, Let's roll, roll tape. tape. Let's see what happens. Sergeant, are you having fun? Well, it's not like going to the beach fun or making out with your sister fun. It's more like shoving shards of broken glass up your ass and taking a bath in Tabasco sauce fun. Who's next for the shower? <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, that, that was in Fallujah in 2004. We were all watching South Park on my laptop every day. And the, for those of you who don't recognize that, those, they're, 
that, that's a bunch of South Park references packed into 21 seconds. And uh, for some reason, it, I guess that one got – it got in, like, the military humor playlists on YouTube. And so it just – it kept 9.7 million views. I almost want to subtract that from my score of, of like, 80 million total views because, it's like, that, this, I'm not waking anybody up with this one. But the reason I wanted to get into all that and why it's so freaking funny to me is the commenter asked, did your buddy get out of the fighting hole? I, I mean, if that's what they're referring to, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> uh, the, the only time I've appeared shaved in, in public, I suppose. Um, yeah, it, it, if you look at my next most viewed video, Adam verbally body slams, chokes out cops at White House, 2.4 million, and how to deal with a sobriety checkpoint. TSA versus the world's biggest penis, just clickbaity funny video. Clinton supporter realizes truth about Hillary as a man on the street, and it's just because it was partisan. You know, I, I, and I'm asking questions from a libertarian perspective, but it's because I'm going after a Clinton supporter that that one blew up. Um, how to make the police leave you alone is just that. It wasn't really a good title. It's almost a clickbaity title, but how far down is your dancing video? Oh yeah, and then that's funny. The dancing video on my channel is two, four, six, at number eight now, all the way down to number eight with only 1.7 million views. But I will say, though, Jim, of all my videos, I'm pretty sure that's the one that got ripped and viewed the most in other places. And it, and it was a mainstream news story when it happened. It was funny because I had my TV show at the time, and I remember them covering it on CNN and, and MSNBC and going, um, local D.C. activist. And it's like, yeah, not, not Adam Gogesh, not Adam versus the man, not the libertarian. Like none of these. No, no, just I couldn't give you any credit. Protesting the dance policy in Jefferson. Anyway, all right. So uh, we definitely want to make sure that we thank all of our Patreon supporters, our patrons who are in the Producers Club, especially who gave us a bunch of links today that we're going to be getting into. And uh, Jim, you want to tell people about that? Yeah, absolutely. Patreon, man, we're having a lot of fun with it here. Uh, five bucks a month, you can be a good patron. You'll get access to a bunch of good content, uh, behind-the-scenes footage, which is a little bit of content of Adam uh, wearing his uh, sweatpants from the top down or from the bottom down while he's doing the show right after the show, just so you can kind of get a feel of what we go after as soon as the live stream turns off. Uh, you can move up to our better patrons for 10 bucks a month, and you'll get access to that Telegram chat, the Producers Club that Adam keeps referencing that we're having so much fun. And you can share your thoughts with Adam directly, and you can get onto your content and your subject matter talked about by Adam on the show the very next day. It's It's got to be satisfying for these people. They're, they're telling us nothing but good feedback about how much they love the the producers club so that's an excellent feature and if you go with our best patrons the $50 those are the absolute best people Adam himself is going <laughs> to friend you on whatever Facebook or Twitter or whatever you like the best he's going to be your personal friend on there and you're going to be in the front of the line of all those other people in the producers club you're going to get to go to the front if you are the $50 member and you say hey Adam I want to be on video with you we're going to make that happen guaranteed 
with the ten dollar members, we're gonna think about it. The fifty dollar members, it's a guarantee. So that, that's the difference. <laughs> that that's what you get at the fifty dollar level for co-producer status. Right. You can give out fancier titles upon request as well. You could be editorial producer. You could be co-producer for special guests. You could be co-producer. Bad motherfucker. Bad <laughs> silly oh. walks or funny comments. <laughs> whatever it is that gets you going. CJ, what, do we have any producer notes today? You enjoying the earlier timeline here coming on at 9 a.m. Pacific? Absolutely, sir. Uh, it's 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 nice for, for somebody in the central states here. I mean, it's more about the later part of the evening for me. It's not as late <laughs> for you when I post the clips for the day. It's about 3 o'clock your time. It's about 5 o'clock my time. So it, it it's kind of nice that I have that opportunity. Uh, to do that. So uh, we did have a guest that has to reschedule for next week. If you want to schedule a, uh, I don't, I haven't heard from the guest for today yet, but I, he does have the link. But uh, if you want to reach me, producer at thefreedomline.com, you can, you can reach me there. Please go to thefreedomline.com. Get yourself the book. I'm telling you, this book is something that everyone should read or listen to. The fact you can get it in every digital format like I said, just fall asleep to it. Click this little link, fall asleep to it, and you will wake up saying things about freedom you didn't even know you could. And then, uh, and then again, for those that have asked before in the comments, I just want to cover it one time. We do have the store here. Uh, go ahead and uh, click that link as well for all those needs. But other than that, sir, uh, that's all I've got. Awesome. All right, well, let's get into it then. Uh, oh, wait, 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 one more thing with Jim. Jim. Are we giving away a membership to the Producers Club today? And if we are, what's what's it for? Are we doing top super chat? Do we have some other card, some something else? Oh, we got another comment here on screen. Um, Ride with me, thirty-eight for two hundred dollars. Adam, you can fly out to Arizona, and Adam with CJ will give you a background. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> My God, I'm not paying, but twenty dollars <laughs> is twenty dollars. Oh, it's two hundred fifty dollars. Oh, yeah. Well, no problem then. Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the Super Chat, uh, Chat contest, right now we're at $0. So you can just throw in your dollar, and if you're the only one, then you'll be, the, you'll be in the Producers Club. And if you're the winner of the Producers Club, which we'll announce after the show, you just send an email to producer at thefreedomline.com so we can get your information, and then I can send you a link to the Telegram Producers Club so you can join that. Are we going to do that every day? Producers well, we're doing a contest every day, but we need to come up with other questions. I'm, I'm struggling on that. The Super Chat's the only thing <laughs> I can come up with. That's the only thing that separates, you know, or the comments. Well, we, I mean, we could still do less. De- oh, you haven't sent me your other half of the less deadly than joke list. I need, oh. I need that, and then I can have the comprehensive one. But, uh, yeah, all right, so for today, top super chat, get the membership in the Producers Club. If you are watching on Facebook or Periscope or, uh, I think, are we somewhere else live? Is that it, those big three? CJ? I'm like, what, what have we built? I'm actually working with uh, to get the information for Brighteon. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I, I want to see it from the inside. I want to see how it operates and see if it can work in conjunction with this setup. I'm pretty sure it will, but uh, I'm working with uh, Joey that uh, on that to uh, if we we might have to create a new account though. Uh, if they, 
I, I, she was kind of saying that it was in conjunction with something. So, but other than that, I mean, we're open to trying Twitch and and Mixer. Uh, it's oh, a, that's those ones I was thinking we're working. It, 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 we're working on it, but again, it, it's it's like finding your niche in in a market where you're just jumping right in. Uh, I'm 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 still working that angle with with a Twitch streamer that has a platform. It, it's kind of like you got to know somebody that knows somebody that can say, "Hey guys, this guy's like new on here. Help him out." We'll, we'll see what happens, though, sir. All right, all right. Well, we're working on all that building out the show. Thanks to you and the audience making it possible with your support for us to do all this. And I'm excited about being able to be on so many different platforms. For the one for the redundancy, just like because you can't trust any singular platform. I mean, it's like uh, ugh, every day, like every day, a big part of what I like to cover with Adam versus the man is you know these internet dynamic news stories about you know where the major platforms are going, where the legislation is regarding the internet, uh, the state of censorship, and some of the dynamics of the general flow. Being able to step back. And look at the the meta conversation on the internet. It's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it's it's something that you you really have to actively fight as any kind of independent media producer. It's just, it's sad that we've come to this, and I don't maybe there's maybe there's some reform happening. You know, Facebook has been anyway. We'll come back to Facebook. It's been under a lot of pressure, a lot of scrutiny over the years. There's some serious reforms being proposed. Uh, you know, and and all of these things are very problematic with how it's happening. There's been kind of a there, there's kind of a golden age almost of, of independent media on the internet. Maybe before Facebook got uh, you know really clamped down, and before Google bought YouTube and and you know made censorship uh, you know a, a, a very challenging thing to navigate there. So if you're watching on any of these other platforms, they're also great for ways to reach out to other people. And if you want the convenience of watching on whatever platform is best for you wherever we're broadcasting that's great and if you're in periscope or youtube or facebook all of the comments show up on the Streamyard comment feed backstage that jim is watching comment jim freedom can pull those up as you've seen they show up here on the screen if you comment but youtube really i have to say this unfortunately um although hey, maybe youtube is reforming you know who knows it's it's yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've been, I've been very harsh about YouTube censorship and 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 corporate and ad manipulation in the past. But it might just be that this massive corporate entity and you know servant of humanity that it truly is as an information service is it, you know is, is an entity with enough momentum of its own that it, it will continue to thrive. Uh, you know, it, it's first-to-market advantage. We'll can keep it in the forefront that uh, by, you know, until we get to some whole other Internet of decentralized, that w- where the database uh, of, of YouTube videos and, and, and the service and all the backlinks and everything that I recommend, you know, until we get to the point where that's irrelevant, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we, we should be, you know, hoping for YouTube to reform. You know, that's oh, well, in and of itself, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Because I've always, I've been, since since I realized the possibility with blockchain-based social media, blockchain technology in general, you know, why are we, why are we still doing the central server thing? Well, like, why does YouTube still exist in the age of 
even just ah, they do. And it, you know, it was never uh, has has yet to become a, a real technically viable competitor. But even like Vimeo or Facebook for video or you know a dozen other competitive video platforms, uh, the, the, there's a certain critical mass. There's a certain benefit of YouTube being the destination video site on the on the internet, and it would be great if they truly made it that and really made it a free speech platform because they could and say, look, if you put up something that, you know, enough of your viewers flag as, uh, you know, inappropriate, it'll have a, you know, a mask on it, right? It'll have, it'll be blurred out and say, warning this video. Like, and Facebook does this in some cases, but, you know, and, and one of the stories we're going to cover today gets into this, when with with racism, is do you, when you when you censor racism, you're you're not addressing it. You're just hiding it. You know, is it, is it better to have it out in the open? And, and, and if it's in a harmless way, and I don't say it's it's always harmless. Like maybe there is, you know, I I could I could imagine that, you know, if if someone is using the the, the platform of YouTube like in a truly weaponized way or to you know, not portray something bad, but to deliver a threat, you know, like, it, it would have to be, you know, minimal to, and even then, you know, better with no censorship at all, and if they could make it that, maybe YouTube could be the enduring video website that takes us to the next phase, but there's a bigger issue in the backdrop, so, for our first story today, we go to the, or, <clears throat> excuse me, for our first story, for our first story today, we clear our throats and go to the organic prepper. Not everyone in Hollywood supports cancel culture. Some harsh words for the PC crowd. So, by now, you've probably heard of cancel culture. If you haven't, here's a definition and an example from Urban Dictionary: a desire to cancel out a person or community from social media platforms. It is characterized by the response of an evil individual when they are shown to be wrong. They will call on their followers to report the social media accounts of the person or group that did the criticizing rather than discussing the criticism or showing by evidence where the criticism is incorrect. Narcissists make up the majority of the people who engage in cancel culture, and others who do this would include immature individuals. Example, Johnny was criticized for being vindictive against Johnny, and instead of discussing the problem, Johnny called for his followers to report the account. Cancel culture style of the person who made the criticism. Now, this is a pretty no-holds-barred definition, right? An evil individual when they're shown to be wrong. Now, that's not always the case. I mean, maybe, I think you have to have a, a broader definition. Remember, anybody could have you know, uh, posted this as a as a definition from Urban Dictionary. Uh, I guess th this is uh, so that the uh, this is the top definition on Urban Dictionary, 583 upvotes. So it's not like uh, our our author Daisy Luther is cherry picking this here. But you know, I would say that there are people. You know, it's it's not necessarily an evil individual, but maybe an embarrassed individual or uh, maybe someone with some false outrage or doing some kind of virtue signaling. I mean, there, there are more reasons for 
you know, uh, engaging in cancel culture than I think narrowly defined here. We've been seeing it more and more, but it only applies when convenient as well. You can get canceled for something you did decades ago before it was politically incorrect. For example, Megyn Kelly lost her television show because she even dared to question appearing in blackface. But Governor Ralph Northam, who had photos in his old yearbook of himself in blackface, is still in office, taking away gun rights from Virginians. Uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau can't recall how many times he's worn blackface, but he's still got reelected. Like, that's, that's a thing. Some people get away with it and others do not. It seems to depend on which political party you support. And this is really what is the danger behind cancel culture. And I'm, in a sense, I'm for, and I hate to say this because some people have this narrow definition of cancel culture. If you take, you know, maybe a broader definition of cancel culture, like, I, I think it's actually a good thing. It's a nonviolent market mechanism that, that, that people can resist if it's, if it's disingenuous. But this is the thing, is that most of what we see of it today that, 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 that's really abusive is based on a kind of fraud. You know, because what they're saying is this this person, you need to cancel this person or I'm going to stop, I'm going to boycott. Well, you, you don't buy our products or watch our shows anyway. Your boycott really doesn't mean anything. So if it's like a group of people over here who are offended by something over here, you know, they, they can intervene and say, I don't want you watching that person. I don't want that audience to be able to connect with that content provider. And what they're really trying to do is manipulate and control the conversation. And that's, as the SJWs would say, quite problematic. So if there is a case of a bad actor, though, you know, why not engage in this practice of, of you know, raising the issue saying, you know, please cancel this person. You know, you know I think boycotts are really essentially more effective. But if you, if you want to get the attention of that audience, you can say, hey, guys, look, I, I see you're, you're watching Alex Jones. I don't like Alex Jones's message. I don't think you should, should watch it. You know, here's the worst form of, the, of, of a response. Like, if that's, if that's your sentiment, Karen, the worst response you can have is the statist response, is the government response to say, let's use force and violence to shut you down. Let's censor you, right? Let's stop you from being able to get your message out to your audience. Right, and that's that's the, the that's a whole other that's an actual violation of the non-aggression principle, right? When you're forcing speech to be suppressed, you're you're forcibly interfering with people receiving a message or content that they want to consume. You know, so what's what's the the, the less worst level? Well, you know, you could lie and make it happen, and that's kind of what some cancel culture is. We say, well, they're 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 just totally fabricating what it's about. And see, the thing is here, it's not just uh, that you're shutting down uh, a potentially legitimate business because of, of your distaste. But as is pointed out in the story, there's a whole other level of political manipulation to this, right? And once we have allowed cancel culture to become, I, I mean, I guess I would say it's like masculinity. There's there's healthy masculinity, divine masculinity, yeah, there's toxic masculinity, if you want to use that term, and, and mean something else. You know, I think the way most people talk about cancel culture is like a, a sort of toxic kind of cancel culture where there is the potential for a healthy guy. So if you get to that, you know, there's government intervention, there's there's fraud, there's like emotional disingenuous uh, engagement where 
you know, you see, like, I see that you're watching Alex Jones. I don't like that you're watching Alex Jones. I'm going to lie to you about Alex Jones, or I'm going to tell you that Alex Jones is, have, is is making me upset, you know, when I'm just, it's just, it's just that I disagree with him and you watching him. And for political reasons, I'm like, you know, hey, I'd, I'd rather you watch CNN with me. By the way, this isn't me. This is me pretending to be Karen, okay? Go, go with it. Uh, do I need to do the voice and put on a wig? I don't think so. So, you know, if, if I'm telling you, hey, I don't like that you're watching Alex Jones, I can say, you know what? In fact, I, I, I don't like that you're watching Alex Jones so much that I'm, I'm going to put out a public statement and I'm going to boycott his advertisers because I don't want the resources if I buy something to go to support a message that I disagree with that I think makes the world a better place. Like, that's righteous. That's what you want to do that. You're totally within your rights to do that. And that's where this battle should be fought on the battlefield of peace and respect and, you know, nonviolent means of, of disengaging to disfavor a message and to say, look, look, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have a petition. You know, I'm going to put out a public statement and combine my voice with others to amplify it so that you in the Alex Jones audience know that we don't like that you're watching his show. Okay. You know, you can watch it anyway. There's no forceful interference there. And, you know, then, you know, like, and, and obviously our conversation is so manipulated and people are so unconscious, unconscious, unconscientious. I mean, this is, again, a big part of our message is to say, raise your level of consciousness. Be paying attention to things that matter. And then you're not susceptible to this kind of manipulation. You know, like for, for our Kanakistani friends to the north, you, you reelected Justin Trudeau after going, like, you couldn't. You couldn't find someone to lead your government. You couldn't find a prime minister who doesn't have a history of blackface so extensive. He doesn't know how many times he's appeared in black. Like, really? Really? You know, you're falling for the bigger thing of, of needing a prime minister in the first place. So I'm not surprised that you don't do that much better than we have here with Cheeto Jesus in the United States. So, nobody is safe from being canceled by the online mob. In fact, one day... You can be part of the online mob, and the next day you can cross some imaginary line and you're the one being canceled. Anyone can be the subject of an internet witch hunt. But people in the public eye or positions of power tend to have more to lose. Sometimes it's a matter of getting everyone to unfollow the victim on social media, and other times it goes all the way to in-person stalking or doxing. So, like, getting everybody, if you, if you, you know, again, I get this perspective that, that, that Daisy has, and I, you know, I don't want to you know, discredit her. I'm just saying that, like, what I, I, I think it's important to point out that, you know, if you're, you know, how would, why would you call yourself the victim if all that's happening is you're being unfollowed on social media? You said something, people don't like your content anymore, or you don't want it to get news from you? Like, that's, that's how the market works. You know, like, that's okay. Now, stalking or doxing, violating privacy, violating personal space, being threatening, whoa, that totally different category of cancel calls, right? Doxing, if you aren't familiar, is the practice of locating private information about a person and making it public. It could be their home address, their children's schools, the home of their elderly parents. Nothing is off limits. One victim of doxing was Dana Loesch, a spokeswoman for the NRA. She had to do a midnight move to pack up her family and quickly relocate when her home address was revealed publicly and threats against her escalated. Author Natasha Tynes was also canceled and it nearly destroyed her life. Really is one bad action deserving of all this, especially 
if it's only bad in the politically correct sense of the word, taking away someone's livelihood, threatening their safety, including their children, is, it's out of control, like many other things in our country right now. And it, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, so even even the wording, and I, I hate to disagree with the author, who I, I love her work, you know, generally speaking, Daisy does, does a great job here. Um, but, you know, if, if, if she says cancel culture is out of control, you know, you wouldn't say, like, cancer is out of control. Cancer is a disease. It's bad. The cancel culture, if cancel culture is out of control, well, then we need to bring it back in control. We need to make sure that it's done ethically for the right reasons, two criteria, right? So when she, when she gets into is, is one bad action deserving of all of this? Well, you know, sometimes it is. But, no, most, most of the times that we see this as high-profile examples right now, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's absolute bullshit. Uh, so in the video below, several famous comedians discuss the ills of politically correct restrictions and cancel culture. CJ, please, roll tape. Interviewing with Jerry Seinfeld. So, ask him about the gender diversity on the show. Yeah, I mean, it's, people think it's, it's the census or something. I mean, this has got to <laughs> represent the, the actual pie chart of, of, of America. Who cares? It's just funny. You know, funny is, is, the, is the world that I live in. You're funny, I'm interested. You're not funny, I'm not interested. Okay. And, and I have no interest in gender or race or anything like that. But everyone else is kind of with their little calculating, is this the exact right mix? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's, uh, to me, it's anti-comedy. It's okay. anti-comedy. It's, it's more about, you know, PC nonsense okay. than are you making us laugh or not? Right, right. I want to see if you can guess who it is I'm doing an impression of. All right, let me get into character. You got to guess who it is, though. <clears throat> okay, here it goes. Uh, duh, hey, duh, if you do anything wrong in your life, duh, and I find out about it, I'm going to try to take everything away from you. And I don't care what I find out. Could be today, tomorrow, 15, 20 years from now. If I find out, you're fucking duh, finished. Who, who's that? That's you. The people that complain and all that type of shit is just, it's a very small group of people and they're bullies. But... A, a comet tells a fucking joke in a strip mall right. and all of a sudden they're talking about it right. you know one person gets a, like gets offended that's another thing too like every one of those things it's like a comic is guilty of do, telling a joke in a comedy club that's all they're guilty of right and then and then the, 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 what I love too is people get offended by the joke and it's just like she did, he or she didn't tell you the joke right if you want to get mad that you heard the joke right. it's the person that blogs about it. It's the person that, that takes the video or records it. The right. comedian is just guilty of, of being in a nightclub right. where people voluntarily came in and telling jokes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just because you're sitting at home eating cornflakes now and you hear the nightclub, that's really on you. Right. You don't want to hear the nightclub, don't go to the nightclub, and also don't fucking listen to it. To be honest with you, who really gets offended by comedians? I, who, who is walking around? Like, when was the last time you told somebody you're a comedian? Be like, oh, you guys are so offensive. They always think it's cool, right. generally speaking. Right. And there's this small group of fucking people. And what I love, too, is they only get offended by shit that has to do with them. 
If people can't control their own emotions, then they have to start trying to control other people's behavior. And when you're around super sensitive people, you cannot relax and be spontaneous because you have no idea what's going to upset them next. And that's why I've been warned recently, don't go to most university campuses, because the political correctness has been taken from being a good idea, which is let's not be mean, particularly to people who are not able to look after themselves very well. That's a good idea, to the point where any kind of criticism of any individual or group can be labeled um, cruel. And the whole point about humor, the whole point about comedy, and believe you me, I've thought about this, is that all comedy is critical. Even if you make a very inclusive joke, like, um, how do you make God laugh? Answer, tell him your plans. Now, that's about the human condition. It's not excluding anyone. It's saying we all have all these plans which probably won't come, and isn't it funny how we still believe they're going to happen? So that's a very inclusive journey. It's still critical. All humor is critical. And if you start saying, oh, we mustn't, we mustn't criticize or offend them, then humor's gone. With humor goes a sense of proportion. And then as far as I'm concerned, you're living in 1984. Seriously, though, we've heard a lot about extremism recently, a nastier, harsher atmosphere everywhere, more abuse and bother boy behavior, less friendliness and tolerance and respect for opponents. All right, but what we never hear about extremism is its advantages. Well, the biggest advantage of extremism is that it makes you feel good because it provides you with enemies. Let me explain. The great thing about having enemies is that you can pretend that all the badness in the whole world is in your enemies and all the goodness in the whole world is in you. Attractive, isn't it? So, if you have a lot of anger and resentment in you anyway, and you therefore enjoy abusing people, then you can pretend that you're only doing it because these enemies of yours are such very bad persons. And that if it wasn't for them, you'd actually be good-natured and courteous and rational all the time. So, if you want to feel good, become an extremist. Okay, now you have a choice. If you join the hard left, they'll give you their list of authorized enemies. Almost all kinds of authority, especially the police, the city, Americans, judges, multinational corporations, public schools, furriers, newspaper owners, fox hunters, generals, class traitors, and, of course, moderates. Or, if you'd rather be an extremist on the hard right, no problem, fine, you still get a lovely list of enemies, only they're different ones. Noisy minority groups, unions, Russia, weirdos, demonstrators, welfare sponges, meddlesome clergy, peaceniks, the BBC, strikers, social workers, communists, and, of course, moderates. And upstart actors. Now, once you're armed with one of these super lists of enemies... You can be as nasty as you like and yet feel your behaviors morally justified. So you can strut around uh, abusing people and telling them you could eat them for breakfast and still think of yourself as a champion of the truth, a, a fighter for the greater good, and not the rather sad paranoid schizoid that you really are.
you're in no position to lecture the public about anything. I didn't want to get into the whole part for the audio that had just the music playing with the words on the screen, but I think the point is well made. CJ, you had a video. What was the video you want to play related to this from last week? CJ, are you there? Are you pulling it up? Or you, yeah, yeah right. I'm pulling it up if you just give me a minute. It, it, it's really great into this topic. It, it gives you a, a unique perspective into the mindset of uh, this kind of way of thinking. So if you just give me just a minute, sir, I'll have it up for you. And by the way, while, while we're on that, there is a super chat. Just let you know. All right, let's see it. All right, from Chris G for $2, when are you going back on Rogan's podcast? My answer has not changed as soon as he invites me. I, I love Joe Rogan. Uh, you know, we, we have our political differences after he uh, – I, I kind of want to talk to him about how he feels about how he endorsed Bernie Sanders. Like, you know, because he didn't really endorse him. I don't, I don't know. I just – the wording was funny. Then there was this whole controversy where AOC – was telling the Bernie bros, Bernie was wrong for accepting the endorsement of such a misogynist as Joe Rogan. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, when PC culture eats its own tail. Uh, yeah, but no, I'd, I'd love to be on Joe Rogan's podcast again. More importantly, I'd love to keep building this show now that we have a wonderful formula and a great team in building this production to uh, to get to the point where Joe Rogan's going to want to come on my show. But I, it might be a long time before we get to that, at least several years. He's been doing it for a long time and way more consistently than I have. That's that's the big difference. CJ, you got the video queued up. Let's see it. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll be, have it right up. Facts, my friends. I'm just an average American. But I'm an American-American. And some of the things I see in this country of ours make my blood boil. I see people with foreign money. I see Negroes holding jobs that belong to me and you. Now I ask you, if we allow this thing to go on, what's going to become of us real Americans? I've heard this kind of talk before, but I never expected to hear it in America. The truth about Negroes and foreigners. The truth about the Catholic Church. Do you believe in that kind of talk? That all makes pretty good sense to me. And I tell you, friends, we'll never be able to call this country our own until it's a country without. Without what? Yeah, without what? Without Negroes. Without alien foreigners. Without Catholics. Without Freemasons. You know, what's wrong with the Masons? I'm a Mason. Hey, that fellow's talking about me. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? These are your enemies. These are the people who are trying to take over our country. Now you know them. You know what they stand for. And it's up to you and me to fight them. Fight them and destroy them before they destroy us. Thank you. Before he said Mason, you were ready to agree with him. Well, yes, but he was talking about... What about those other people? In this country, we have no other people. We are American people. What about you? You aren't American, right? I was born in Hungary, but now I am an American citizen. And I have seen what this kind of talk can do. I saw it in Berlin. 
What were you doing there? I was a professor at the university. I heard the same words we have heard today. But I was a fool then. I thought Nazis were crazy people, stupid fanatics. But unfortunately, it was not so. You see, they knew that they were not strong enough to conquer a unified country. So they split Germany into small groups. They used prejudice as a practical weapon to cripple the nation. Of course, that was not easy to do. They had to work hard to do it. You see, we human beings are not born with prejudices. Always they are made for us. Made by someone who wants something. Remember that when you hear this kind of talk. Somebody is going to get something out of it. And it isn't going to be you. Damn! That's some powerful stuff, CJ. Where's that from? Is that I assume this is a this is one of them old time black and white movies, but I got I don't I don't recognize it. CJ, help me out here. I actually I've been trying to figure out where it's from too. It was shared by one of my veteran friends, and uh, I asked him to send it to me, and he didn't send me the actual link to the movie. So uh, if anybody knows, use the comment thread. Let us know where <laughs> that's fun from, so we can actually give it its proper credit. All right, yeah, I guess. <laughs> that, see, that should be the contest for the day. Can you find out where that, what movie that clip is from? All right, so we got a lot of headlines to cover. We're we're kind of late getting into them today, so let's jump into the next one here from CNN. Why Trump's Supreme Court appointee Neil Gorsuch just protected LGBTQ rights, and I, I, I mean, I. Ugh, ugh. I need I need like a libertarian version of the word problematic, uh, you know, because that's the SJW. This is problematic, you know. They they kind of have that word. I feel like a dork using it over and over again, making fun of them when I don't have my own word. But yes, I, I'm all for LGD, LGBTQ rights. And by the way, a lot of people in the LGBTQ community are against the use of the term LGBTQ because of the divisiveness of the precise identification, the limit of anybody who's not identified. And as I got to give a hand out or a, a, a shout out to my friend, um, Mike Sir Shipley, fellow Arizona libertarian activist, for getting uh, libertarians to use the term GSM, gender and sexual minorities, which technically that's everybody, right? If you're a straight man, you're, a, you're in the minority. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of important to recognize that as well, even though, uh, you know, uh, we, we might be the, the biggest block. Yeah, we are uh, technically a minority. And, and, like, in a lot of states, white people already are minorities, right? So, was it, I think California crossed that line uh, a few years ago. But did did, did he protect their rights? Uh, did, did, did someone writing words on paper in Washington get them protected rights? And, and are these are these rights that they are being granted or rather privileges? Let's find out, shall we? Justice Neil Gorsuch, President Donald Trump's first nominee to the Supreme Court, delivered an opinion Monday that will change how more than 7 million LGBTQ individuals will live and work in the United States. You know, there's a certain tyranny in the political correct language here. Really, you want me to say LGBTQ every time uh, to refer to... mm, and, and there's, there are longer versions of this acronym. I, I didn't plan to rail against the I meant to rail against government with this segment. I'll, don't worry, I'll get to it. In a watershed moment from an unlikely author, 
That means gay, lesbian, and transgender workers. So here it's just the GLT. It's not it's not uh, LGBTQ. There are a couple of letters left out here. Gay, lesbian, and transgender workers are protected by federal civil rights law. It is a stunning defeat for judicial conservatives who work to ensure Gorsuch's nomination and Republicans, including Donald Trump, who stymied President Barack Obama's nominee for the Supreme Court, liberal Merrick Garland in 2016. The ruling puts Gorsuch in the history books. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, Gorsuch wrote, which bars discrimination because of sex, also covers claims based on sexual orientation and gender identity. But for close observers of his writings and actions on the bench, Gorsuch simply was showcasing his fidelity to rules of statutory interpretation, relying on the plain text of the law that were championed by the late Justice Antonin Scalia. It is the clearest example yet that Gorsuch, who is by any definition a conservative judge and has cast key votes in the past siding with the president, is capable of flexing his independence, striking a distinctive course and disrupting expectations. All the silly reading into it is kind of besides the point. I don't want to say it's nonsense, but it is it is kind of a distraction from the bigger point here because, you know, it's this political fight. It is thought of that the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter of right and wrong in the United States. And just it's it's treated like that when even a, a cursory examination will show it is anything but that, that it has repeatedly upheld horrific policies of discrimination, of violence, of uh, violations of the non-aggression principle, disrespect for the freedom of individuals and individual rights, uh, because it, it's about fidelity to the Constitution. And really, it is the, uh, the ultimate authority in settling disputes as backed up by the authority of the U.S. government. It is not like the, this independent check on the political system. It's thought of that way, and it was sold to the American people that way, and is, is continuously sold to America's children with government propaganda-filled textbooks this way. That it's, that it's this independent thing, and occasionally the Supreme Court does put a limit on government power, right? But it's not because that's its goal. Its goal is to maintain the authority, to maintain the government power. So if it's it's like tapping on the brakes, right? Runaway government, government, like the job of Congress is to rip the American people off as best they can to spend as much money for their corporate sponsors as possible. The job of the president is to to, to keep the system, you know, coherent and to be a unifying figurehead. And, and to give people something to fight over with a personality and identity. And the Supreme Court is there to, to, to tap the brakes on these runaway elements when they get so far out of control that the people are like, hey, we're coming with the pitchforks. The Supreme Court can say, oh, hold on a second. Wait, let me let me check the, the, the hold on. We have a rule book. Let me make sure that the people who you're upset about were following the rules. Uh, oh, no. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yes, it, it does appear that the government officials uh, who you are upset with did violate the rules, and and they will be uh, appropriately reprimanded or or put in check. And and you can put your pitchforks away now and, and go back to sleep, and everything's okay with the system. So, like that, that just understand that that, and and that's not comprehensive, that's not decisive, but that is a way more accurate understanding of what the Supreme Court is than the propagandists of authority would have you believe. So, 
does, does, are they looking at what's right and wrong in this decision? Uh, you know, is you know, what this, you know, the, the, the debate about this, you know, and people going back and forth, like, is this right? Is this wrong? Or, you know, and, and fighting over these levers of power in a system that shouldn't exist in the first place, because the moral premise here to use this case as the example is, is very simple. Is either protecting them. If, if there are two kids who want to play with each other and, or there are two kids, one of them wants to play with the other and the other one doesn't. The other one wants to be left alone. If I force them to play with each other, am I protecting the one who wants to play with the other from the state of not getting to play? How You really have to twist the language to say that I'm protecting because that's, oh, I'm protecting you from discrimination. So the kid doesn't want to play. He says, I'm discriminating against everybody. I don't want to play right now. I don't want to play with you because I don't like you. They have a right. You have a right to say, I don't want to play with you. I don't want to do business with anybody for whatever reason. I don't, you can't force me. Against my consent, and that's what's so funny, this, this great contradiction. How many people in the LGBTQ worshiping community would say, oh, yes, rape is wrong because consent. You have to have consent. You have to have affirmative consent. And affirmative consent does not imply future affirmative consent. It has to be reaffirmed continuously. It has, you know, there has to be consent. If it's not consensual, it's rape or it's wrong. It's a forced relationship that you're forced. Well, gee, you're taking away the consent from this relationship by saying we're forcing people to work together. And the, I mean, you have a right to discriminate. You have a right to disassociate. You can be doing it for good reasons, for bad reasons. I mean, in the, the big gender example that comes up is the strip clubs, right? Well, you're a strip club. I'm a male stripper. You can't discriminate against me because of my sex. Well, we're not discriminating against you because of your sex. We're discriminating against you because male clients at a strip, the customers at a strip, people go to strip clubs. And yeah, it's reversed. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I know there's thunder from down under in Las Vegas. And Matt, I, I shouldn't know. I shouldn't admit identifying other any other male sexual brands, right? Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I get it. It goes the other way, too. But, you know, you, you couldn't have a woman say, well, hey, just because you're doing the, that male strip show, you can't just, I'm a female. Like, no, like, you have to be able to, to discriminate based on whatever you want, whatever's good for you, your business. And how are we going to help people see what's best if we don't allow them to make mistakes and we don't, you know, create that possibility? And how can we expect people to have faith in a system overall to protect your rights when it's fundamentally taking away your rights? And this gets to the, the whole bigger problem of forced association through government, right? Like, I, I want to help people. I want to donate to charity. I don't want that money stolen from me to be used for these things. Or now I'm forced to associate with everybody who's getting money for me or giving me money in this giant pool of, of money shuffling that I don't want to be a part of against my consent. You know, I, I have to be a part of that, you know, legal economic system. And this is kind of what this comes down to is they use the economics as the excuse. Protection from discrimination uh, is their excuse to take away consent from individuals to take away the right to disassociate. Um, so, you know, you want to put it in negative terms? I'm not going to shy away from it. Yes, you have a right to discriminate. We all do it all the time. And, you know, you look at personal relationships. Um, you know, generally people tend to be attracted to people 
a similar race. And, you know, good for people who embrace the Bullworth strategy of, well, let's just keep screwing each other till we all come out the same color. You know, like, yeah, that's great. And if that's the future of humanity, we're all the same color. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. That's a beautiful vision. Um, do we need to preserve, you know, ethnic separation, the pure bloodlines? No. If people want to do that, like if there's an incentive, I don't I don't care, you know. But uh, you know, I in 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 my marriage, you know, we have a, a, let's just say a lot of different ethnic groups represented, uh, and, and that's okay. But you know, but. I also have the right to say, like, I don't want to be with someone for, for any reason whatsoever. And and you can't say, well, that applies to personal relationships, but that doesn't apply to business relationships or or anything else, and that the government can come in and intervene and say, we can say, so you want to use the language that, that turns this on its head when it says that, uh, you know, gay, lesbian, and transgender workers are protected by federal civil rights law. No, it's that government has claimed the right to force people to associate with gay, lesbian, and transgender people against their will. And even if that's not uh, the way to go about it, it doesn't mean that there isn't a problem there with discrimination. I'm all for raising awareness. I'm all for protecting, like legitimately protecting the rights of people who uh, suffer discrimination in uh, in a in, in an, in, or I should say un, suffer violations of their rights? You don't have a right to a job. You don't have a right to choose where you work. You know, I mean, you, you don't have a right to choose for the business owner. Yeah, yes, I can work there because I'm I'm one of these protected groups. And since government is going to force you to take me as an employee, I'm gonna, I'm going to choose to work. Like, you don't have the right to take a job from someone else or to force someone to employ you or to use the government to force someone to employ you. You have the right to live and exercise your rights and the right to swing your fists only ends where my nose begins. I want to make sure that everybody's rights are equally protected and that government doesn't use discrimination like they do with these gender issues, like they do with racial issues, like they do with economic issues, to keep us divided or manipulated anymore. Moving on, fun story from Mediaite.com. Of course not. Dr. Fauci says he definitely wouldn't attend Trump's Tulsa rally, warns, warns we haven't gotten out of our first wave. And now I'm like, okay, this. how do you still have your job with everything you're, all this like, weird anti-Trump stuff, Dr. Fauci. Like, really? Is, is there, do you have some other protection, or is this all part of the theater? Is this planned? Did Trump go, oh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to cover your mouth, you're going you're gonna to do weird stuff with your face during my press conferences, and then you're going to talk shit about my rallies and say that you wouldn't go, and it's, it's all part of the setup because we want things to be confused. We want the liberals to attack us on this because I've got all the clapbacks pre-written and ready to go. I don't know. I just think it's funny to see such a gross contradiction in government, Trump holding rallies, Dr. Fauci saying, no, he definitely wouldn't attend. We haven't gotten out of the first wave. Yeah. Um now, maybe this is this a story that you couldn't pull up, CJ, the Wall Street Journal one? 
That's okay, because this one is this one is worth touching on with or without the graphics. Excuse me. From the Wall Street Journal, civil rights groups pushed for Facebook ad boycott, Anti-Defamation League, NAACP, and others seek protests of what they say is company's failure to make its platform a less hostile place. Several American civil rights groups, including the Anti-Defamation League and the NAACP, are encouraging big advertisers to pull spending from Facebook, Inc., to protest what they say is the company's failure to make its platform a less hostile place. The campaign, TV announced early on Wednesday, comes after years of private discussions between these groups and Facebook, which the activists say have amounted to little change in the way the social media giant enforces its policies around hate speech and misinformation. The groups took out a full-page ad in the Los Angeles Times on Wednesday, urging advertisers to pull their spending on Facebook for July. And the ad reads, what would you do with $70 billion? We know what Facebook did. They allowed incitement to violence against protesters fighting for racial justice in America in the wake of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They amplified white nationalists by including news sources with known extremist ties and their fact-checking program, they turn a blind eye to blatant voter suppression on their platform. Now, in a way, this is like, this is, I, I support this tactically, right? It's totally righteous. It's, it's in line with the non-aggression principle. This is sort of cancel culture done right. You know, like, hey, we're going we're gonna to try to cancel Facebook. They're not going to do it. Like, they're not going to get away with it. Are they going to have, you know, a little pressure for reforms? Are they going to show Facebook, hey, Facebook, look, you could make more money if you did this. Yeah, probably. But Facebook doesn't have to respond to this kind of, for them, insignificant pressure by itself, right? This isn't going to change things. And what, by the way, there's this whole other irony to this, right? Black Lives Matter types, you know, like are, are, are saying, hey, uh, Facebook, why are you showing us this racism? You should hide it. You know, wait a second. Facebook is providing the venue to bring racism out into the open so that it can be addressed in a healthy way. And you're saying, no, sweep it back under the rug? Is that is that really coming from a place of we care about doing something about racism? We care about this so we care about this problem so much that we want it completely hidden from view. Yeah, I don't buy it, right? There's there's obviously some other you know, astroturfing, corporate-driven sponsor activism in, in all of this. But what, you know, again, like in, in my sort of recently softened position about YouTube and saying that it might be able to maintain its status as a dominant media platform, as the main video hosting website for the Internet until we get to the next phase, the next whole era of, of blockchain-based everything, and, you know, same thing with Facebook. Like, is, is Facebook, could Facebook reform? Could Facebook transform I, I, into something righteous, useful, ethical, worth humanity sustaining, as opposed to, you know, getting away to something completely separate? And, and this is where I think there is a glimmer of hope for Facebook, as horrific as it is in so many ways, distorting the conversation. You have to step back and, and realize also, as a humongous force for good, what Facebook represents for humanity as an ability for people to connect with each other like never before, of a decentralization of control of information. So that, to complain that 
you know, the, the, ah, the old authorities are coming into this new conversation on the internet space. Facebook is all censored up and YouTube got bought by Google and blah, blah, blah. blah. And yeah, of course. It was, it was, it was kind of predictable. Like we should have seen this coming. Is it the end of this? No. You had a golden era. It kind of, you know, we're in this kind of weird, you know, controlled internet era, but we're going to come out of this. And I think in order to come out of this, we're going to have to do it with Facebook and YouTube. I mean, Twitter is already an example of how a major successful social media platform can operate with uh, minimal censorship. And I'm not supporting the censorship on, on Twitter either, but it's certainly a scale smaller than what we see on Facebook and YouTube and, and, and many other platforms, by example. Uh, I mean, people don't know this about Twitter, but you can host porn. Like, there's porn, porn on Twitter. Like, it's just, there's no restriction on any on anything for sexual uh, or, or graphic basis. Like, great. You know, I mean, uh, the, the, just as a standard of saying we're not going to use that. Like, if we have to host a bunch of porn in order to show that we are not going to use that as an excuse for censorship, awesome. I, I don't. I'll just say, I don't use Twitter for porn. <laughs> so the chance to reform here could be customization of the Facebook experience in uh, a sense much more than what we have already and in, in really in, in the regard to controlling your flow of information. Uh, recently, it was, it, Facebook is, uh, I think, teasing the idea that they could give users the option to turn off political ads. And I'm like, look, political ads are, you know, they, we get a lot of money, but it's a lot less than we get from everything else. If you, our customers, don't want to see political ads, we'll turn them off. We'd rather keep the other customers. So then it gets me to this story again with the, with the racism. Like, what's Facebook going to do if these, uh, you know, Anti-Defamation League, NAACP, uh, you know, all these, these several American civil rights groups they're going to go directly to their base and say, look, you know, you guys, look, you know how, you know how the, the leaders of your organizations are saying we're not doing enough to combat hate or, or to, to hide it? We'll give you the option. You want to click the no hate button? You want to set your own standards of censorship on your own Facebook feed? We got you covered. They're just doing this for posturing. Don't worry. We'll, we'll keep giving you an awesome experience. So, and why? Because, well, I think of any... If there's any free service you're getting on the internet, you're the product. And in this case, it's your attention, your attention, getting you to see ads. They want to keep you on their platform seeing ads. Same thing with looking at the mainstream media. First and foremost, it's a business. You take away their revenue source, and, and some of them are government-sponsored, but most of them exist because customers give them money, buying newspapers, watch their TV shows, uh, their newscasts, and buy from their advertisers. They're able to, to do that. and corrupt the conversation that way because people aren't paying attention. As people pay more attention, demand more customization, we're going to get more of it. So that's the opportunity. I think Facebook has the chance to reform too, just like YouTube. And I wish this wasn't the way that it was happening. When I say I'm, I'm hopeful, um, I want uh, YouTube and, and Facebook to reform and, and to be uh, successful to, to help take us to the next era of the internet. Uh, I, I wish we had more competition already. It was things like diaspora or, um, you know, even gab is, you know, although as an alternative to Twitter, 
you know, who's to say what the need is there. I know some of y'all are going to be really pissed at that. But look at them. They took off the white nationalists. Yeah. Like I said, there's some there's some bad censorship on Twitter, too. Uh, they're far from perfect. Whether they stick around or get replaced by the next generation sooner rather than later might be up to them. CJ, do we have our guest Daniel Francisco queued up? I'm sorry. I'm still getting used to this format. I hope, Daniel, if you're watching, I hope this is all entertaining. And you don't mind because we said we're late now. I'm just, I'm not used to watching the time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Francisco, who I connected with recently on Twitter, joins us today representing his new project, the Blue Star Union. He is also a former executive director of Project Veritas. Uh, so I, I don't know where we're going to go with this, Daniel, but thank you so much for joining us today. A lot of topics we could get into. I, if, if there's anything else you want to say in introduction, please feel free. But if you would, I think everybody would appreciate a basic explanation of what Blue Star Union is and your recent billboard that just went up. Adam, it's uh, great here. Great to be here with you. Uh, it's funny. All of the things you've been talking about in the last half hour are word for word the things we've been discussing in our podcast for the last couple of weeks. So it's uncanny. Between the censorship, uh, between talking about consent, uh, civil rights, I mean, it's a shot for shot of all the topics we've touched uh, in, in the last two weeks or so. Uh, but yes, uh, I, I, I worked for Project Veritas for a couple of years. I was part of that movement back in like 2012, 2013. That's where I sort of, I never met you personally, but I've sort of brushed shoulders with you a few times at a couple of events. I've always been an admirer of your work from afar. Um, like I told you, especially when you did that, that cross into DC, that was pretty wild. Um, and it especially resonates for me. As someone that lives in New Jersey, and the, the, the two-way movement is probably the, the movement I'm most passionate about. Uh, and I, I'm also involved with a, an organization here in New Jersey called the New Jersey Second Amendment Society that do some great activism work. Uh, but our organization is, uh, is born of a couple of funny things. One, I had a kid. And when I had a kid, I stopped caring about what people thought about me. Right? So I, mm-hmm. I sort of left the political world uh, eight, ten years ago. Uh, I went back to the corporate world where I kind of started my career and I was there for 10 years in this, in this malaise where I can't say anything. If you espouse the wrong opinion, you get in trouble. And I've just watched, uh, speech get engirdled at an incremental rate over the years. And now it's, it's peaked in a way that is, I mean, if you've worked in the corporate world this year versus even seven years ago, it's night and day. You, you can't even compare it. Um, I, I used to joke about being involved. At, I went to Rutgers University. I used to joke about uh, the environment and the way speech is, is uh, restricted on campus and thinking, oh, you know, this is, these are just ideologues. These are just young people. They don't understand. They're actually acting like fascists when they tell me I can't say what I think. And then I slowly grew up and, and went to work. And I thought, oh, well, when I go in the corporate world, that's based on merit. You know, that's based on what, what value I create. Surely people will see uh, the veracity of, of my work and what I do. And, and I just saw that crumble away over the years. And like I said, once, once I got married and had a son and uh, got, inv- got to this point where it, I, I literally saw all the people around me talking and agreeing with me and none of us could say anything because we all feared for losing our jobs and not being able to pay for our mortgage. Oh, so I, I, I'm I, telling you. I, I, I got I to interject here with a couple of things, man. It's funny because I feel like, you know, since I got out of the Marine Corps, November 30, 2006, you know, I don't, I, mean, I haven't had a real job. Like, you know, I haven't, I, I don't know what that's like. 
I've lived in this world of, no, nope, I'm on the other side of that line. I don't care. You know, and, and I, I really, like, I, I appreciate what that means to have a kid and and change your attitude. Even though I don't have any kids yet, I'm, I'm working on it. I practice as much as I can. But when um, you, when you, 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 you do go through a, a bit of a shift in mentality that is critical, I think, for a lot of activists to come to a place of peace, even if you want to play the political game where your primary concern is, you know, manipulating the opinions of others about you personally as opposed to the world ideas and being right. Um, I, I, I found a quote today I just want to share from Wayne Dyer. When you become immobilized by what anybody else thinks of you, what you're saying is your opinion of me is more important than my own opinion of myself. And when I first read this, I actually misread it and thought when you become mobilized by what anybody else thinks of you, what you're saying is your, but you know what? It works the same way. And it really made me think about a lot of the, you know, virtue signaling. And I, I think the term is abused. I, oh, you're just virtue signaling. Well, yeah, I'm trying to tell you that that's wrong and I'm right. Yeah, I'm virtue signaling. <laughs> Darn right I am, you know. But, you know, a lot of the sort of, uh, you know, ego gratification or bolstering-based activism, you know, or slacktivism or feel-good activism or politically correct or, I'm you know, I'm doing this to make sure that everybody knows I'm a good person kind of virtue signal activism is the same thing, is that when you become mobilized by what anybody else thinks of you, what you're saying is your opinion of me is more important than my own opinion of myself. And I hate to make this connection to what we're doing right now as a country, but you look at uh, all of our attention focused to police reform. Well, why are we doing that now? And it's good. It's a lot of good stuff. It's a lot of really good positive reforms that are happening, but why? And, and a lot of it's like, because we've done the work over time to raise attention to these issues. They're coming to a head. They're getting out of the way. They're being dealt with now. But why now? It's so that we don't pay attention to $9 trillion of liquidity added under the coronavirus, blah, 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 blah. All the distractions with that. But to, what, to, to, get, to turn it back to what you're talking about here, Daniel, before you get to explain Blue Star, I, I want to put you on the spot about some of the language that you use. When you, you call, like, you know me about gun rights. You know I'm as absolutist as it comes that it's about property rights. You have the right to own whatever property. You don't need gun rights in the sense, if you have property rights. Gun rights, are, and I don't mean to say you don't need them, but to recognize it's a subset of property rights. Your property rights are respected. You have the right to own whatever piece of property, whatever piece of metal, in whatever shape you want. No one can come on your property or invade your person to tell you otherwise, right? And in that sense, uh, I'm, I'm really kind of disappointed for all of the people in the gun rights movement or the self-defense rights movement who define that cause by the authority of the Second Amendment. Like, you don't have your rights because... They're, they're on paper in the Constitution. You have these rights because they're either natural rights or God-given rights inherent to your, your humanity. Do you have a problem with that term that you use? Do you see that? Or is this, have you thought of this and this is just your best shorthand messaging to call it the 2A movement? 
Yeah, so like you said, the, the, the rights are, are enshrined on a document, but they're not coming from people, right? They're not coming from an entity or a government, however you want to define it. And I think we're all in agreement with that. Um, are you talking more in terms of the, the sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm searching for? The semantics of me calling it gun rights? Yeah, or I'm yeah, not yeah. really why, clear on why do, you, why do you use that term? You know, I'll, I'll be perfectly frank with you, Adam. I, I did not use that, like, that term consciously with some sort of intent. I, maybe it's just something that flows off of, off of my tongue as I speak. I mean, it's, it's a matter of perspective, too. Uh, I mean, if you live in certain parts of the country, there's different meanings to this. In, in New Jersey, where, where, where we're from, um, there, there are no rights here. You know, there, it, whatever, however you want to define it, it doesn't exist. Um, and if you look back throughout history, the, the, the point that we're trying to highlight is that government in, in, in their evil capacities, it uses uh, these powers to restrict people. Um, and in, in the past, it's many times been based on the, the lines of race. Um, and it's not just it's not just the Second Amendment or, or, or gun rights. Um, it happens with voting and, and many other things. I mean, after Reconstruction, um, we had literacy tests where you, you can Google this, where people could read double negatives and have to answer these confusing questions that even I might mess up when I'm reading it, you know, and a person with a College education would, would err on some of these questions. Um, they're all just a mechanism for the state to devalue you and, and disarm you as an individual. Um, I mean, in terms of, in terms of New Jersey, uh, I, I, I hate this bores the people that are from here, but I think it bears repeating to your community since it's a national community. New Jersey is without a doubt the most interesting animal when it comes to gun rights. We actually opt out of the federal NIC system. I'm sure your viewers are aware that anytime you buy a firearm in the United States, you have to go through a point of sale check called National Instant Criminal Check, a NICS check. Uh, in New Jersey, we opt out of that system altogether, and we have a subset, this entire draconian tyranny that our government has instituted that they then use as an excuse to just completely deny us the ability to lawfully acquire a firearm. And of course, and, and I support, and I think it's sort of what you're alluding to, that drives people to then just go find other solutions, right? You know, you have people who can print guns. Uh, it, people in Maryland can, can go buy uh, those. Uh, there's 80% blocks, right, which get around to your ability, your need to have to go buy a firearm. So it's like you can't buy a handgun in Maryland without a permit, but I can go and buy this hunk of metal that's 80% of what the, the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms says is a gun, and suddenly it's okay. Um, and I'm all for that. I believe that every human is sovereign, individual, and if, if you have sovereignty over your life, you must have sovereignty to protect your life. So I, yep. I'm all on board with that. Um, but in New Jersey, it's it's disproportionately assessed, right? So I, I happen to also be a councilman in my town. I, I'm in a very small town of about 1,800, 1,900 people, um, and it's a predominantly right-wing, you know, Republican kind of town. And you, everybody knows each other, right? I uh, another thing about living in a small town that I'm drawn to that I think you're sympathetic to is having a power at a local level where you know everybody. Um, when everybody Absolutely. knows each other, it's hard to be an asshole to people, right? You know, there's there's yes. a sense of accountability. Yes. Yeah, so yes. I walk around my neighborhood and I know everybody. Everybody knows me. If I act like a delirious moron or do something inappropriate. You know, hold on, Daniel. I yeah. got to I gotta go back just to make like a note. For when we reactivate my presidential campaign, talking about localization, like it's harder to be an asshole when government is local. Like, like that could be our slogan. No, and, I, and obviously I wouldn't use that language, but to, to to make that point that hey, why is government like an asshole? Well, you know, it shits on things all the time. Why? Well, it's easier to be an asshole when you don't have to look at your victim in the face. 
right? Yeah. And, and we know everybody when it's at the local level, just that inherent personal accountability is transformational. Yeah, I mean, even look at policing, right? Uh, I mean, what, what you, you were kind of starting to talk about uh, the, the Minneapolis and, and, and Floyd, you know, being killed, uh, which is, is tragic. And you were saying, well, why is this conversation happening now, right? Why, why suddenly do people care? And like people right. like you and me may have been talking about this over beers, you know, all the time with our friends. But yeah. I, 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 I have we have a distinct philosophy of why we think that's the case. We think that it's because this might be one of the few times where universally people across the spectrum were in agreement. Right. You have people that are traditionally on the right and traditionally on the left who, who look at this issue and say, when I see this video, that's just pure evil. I don't see any justification for this act. And I. I, I can see that, I mean, obviously the Floyd situation is terrible, but I've seen, we see videos all day online that are 10% of that, and I still view them as evil, as a, as a, an obstruction of justice or an abuse of, of force on behalf of uh, an agent of the state. But this is so clear that I think the system and the media saw this and said, holy shit, before everybody gets on the same side, we need to foment some discord and get everybody fighting again. That's kind of the way we look at it. Um, well, even, but, even even without that deliberative manipulation, just the distraction, if you go, hey, look, libertarians are calling, and, and, and freedom activists all over the world are now calling attention to the fact that we're all getting ripped off with a virus that is, I don't know, let's just say, it has a lower fatality rate than trying to spend a counterfeit $20 bill in Minneapolis as the excuse for all of this. And oh hey now you know what let's let, you know how all these police reforms were going to happen anyway let's let them happen now and then all the freedom lovers go hey let's celebrate and you know maximize this opportunity and now we're not doing the more important thing but uh, you know just to finish the topic Daniel before we move on there's so many great other things that this this relates to but the the usage of the language two way of of recognizing rights as from a document as opposed is is this is this just convenient shorthand, or is it uh, is it a is it a is it a rhetorical fight worth fighting and winning to say no? If you're going to talk about rights, talk use accurate language. Yeah, like I, like I said, I'm not purporting to be a, a semantical expert on 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 that sort of philosophical discussion. Uh, to me, like I said, I I see what my eyes show me in in, in this environment here in New Jersey, and I see the the way it affects people's lives. Um, I just want to show, see, here, here's the problem in, in this environment. Everybody looks at this issue and those that are on the right or, or the libertarian minded, right wing, Republican, whatever you want to call anybody right of center, they attack this from the right. Right. And when you're a minority, uh, in this environment in New Jersey, people that think like you and me are a minority, it's just a demographic reality. Um, right. if people flip this on, on its head and attacked from the other side, it would be way easier to demonstrate the abuse that government is doing to us, right? So okay. when, when I, when I'm, when I'm with these people in the Second Amendment movement, whatever you want to call it, they, they'll quote the Constitution, they'll quote Supreme Court cases, they'll allude to all of these nerdy kind of white paperish movement, uh, nonprofit type, uh, discussions, right? Which are rather intangible and, and, and boring to people. Uh, and again, the, demographically, people are not even inclined to even think about that. So the way we want to talk about it is like, look, no, this is uh, if if you really have an issue, as we see all these corporations now uh, jumping on, like you said, why does everyone care? There are, everyone's putting a black square on their Twitter profile. Everyone's banning Aunt Jemima and doing all of these other corporatist gestures that that don't mean anything. 
So this this campaign that we're doing is uh, was to put up a sign that shows, look, we 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 think like we think what happened was wrong, and look at what our laws here in New Jersey do to us. And by the way, we want to arm Black Americans. Uh, it it kind of goes back to the, the censorship point that you were making. Um, when there's bad speech, the reaction of today's modern uh, progressives or leftists is, well, ban the speech, censor it, get rid of it. No, the the way to combat bad speech is to introduce more speech, right? Is is to introduce other ideas to flank that that concept and show why it's wrong and evil. And if you just mask evil, if you hide it, it doesn't go away. It foments. And at, event, at some point, it rises and explodes. Um, I mean, look at uh, every every gun rights movement that there's been in this country, whether you go to the uh, Firearm Act in, I think it was 1968, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X getting shot, JFK getting shot. Now we need a government solution for this problem. 1992, 1993, you got Ruby Ridge, you got Waco, abhorrent, abhorrent acts by the American government. What's the reaction? 1994, we need a assault weapons ban. And then what yeah. assault weapons means in New Jersey means something different in California, means something different in Texas. Every jurisdiction is completely different. Um, so we wanted to highlight to the community here, like I said, to a, a national audience and show them that in New Jersey, basically you have to ask permission from the government to even have the ability to get a firearm. And then they have an unlimited amount of time barring you suing the government, which most people, especially poor minorities in urban neighborhoods, don't have the money to do. You essentially are disarmed, right? There is no lawful way to acquire a, a weapon, a firearm, even if it's perfectly legal. There's no legal way to acquire it. So, of course, people are driven to alternative means of protecting themselves. The problem is everybody wants to talk about inclusion and diversity and all of these all these companies are putting up the black Twitter square. But do they want to talk about the sovereignty of the black community? Do they want to talk about the ability of that community to protect themselves? No. And I think that's the deficiency of the right. They, they catch themselves talking about this constitutional rhetoric, kind of what you're rightfully criticizing me for, instead of looking at it on a practical level and just saying, look, the government is just blatantly disarming you. They're leaving you out there to die. They don't care. And what we put on our sign, which oddly, I thought the biggest controversy from our sign was going to be the idea that we were referring to Black Lives Matters by saying your life matters. It's actually not on the sign that you're seeing in front of you because we were censored. And that's why we have an article up on BlueStarUnion.com detailing that. The number one reason. Wanted, hold on, hold on. You wanted, the, you wanted the billboard to say your life matters? So this is what it, it originally said. And if you, if it's also on the website. It said the police have no legal duty to protect you. Your life matters. Get a gun to protect yourself and your family. Right. Which so it's, it's not even so like I it's not even saying all lives matter in a way to challenge black lives matter at all. It could be entirely it's, it's you, the reader. Exactly. I, intend, oh, I like, We intentionally did not say we, we don't want to get involved with a with a, a particular subset. Gender, gender, not gender, excuse me. Uh, group identities and group politics is is cancer. Right. That's what leads eventually to to genocide. We all know that. Um, that's right. not in any way what we're trying to do. However, we do want to highlight that those people, and it's a class issue, those people in urban environments in New Jersey, and if I, if I can indulge you for two minutes, I can explain why that's the case because it may not make sense. But um, like I said, in New Jersey, in the urban cities, those police departments just don't respond to you, right? So you have to apply for this piece of paper, and then that piece of paper lets you buy guns. And then every time you buy a gun, you have to get another piece of paper, and each one of these waiting periods could be months or years, right? 
in the urban neighbor in the urban neighborhoods because they're police departments like you said they're an amorphous huge organization it's not the local chief that i know who lives down the street like it is in my town they have uh they will set up rules like okay you can come and ask questions about the status of your permit from 4 to 4:15 on thursday and if you happen to be working that day well too bad you just okay. you can't talk to them right and they're 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 There's like <laughs> no, you you are, and that's and then they're inhumane about it, right? So if you show up at four sixteen, and it's the same person sitting there at the counter who handles, and the stack of papers is right in front of them, and you go, I, I was late, I just need to get my permit. They'll be like, Up, oh, see you later. Try next week at four fifteen, and and so people give up, right? There's this entire system built where it's discouraging you from even participating. Right. So then what happens? Of course, people are drawn to find alternative methods of protection. They go to the black market or they create their own weapons. And I'm not saying any of these things are bad. I'm just telling you that's the reality of what ends up happening. But at the end of the day, the highest victims of gun crimes and, and violent crimes in New Jersey are in those urban neighborhoods. And we're at the same time telling those communities, hey, go screw yourself. We don't care about your sovereignty. We don't care that you want this gun. Go figure it out on your own and just call the police and we'll figure it out. But at the same time, as as you will know, yeah, the Supreme (laughs) not not only that old adage, but the Supreme Court and District Court in D.C. have all said unequivocally that the police have no legal duty to protect you or offer individualized service. Yeah, and so when we when we approached all these major corporations to put up this billboard, I literally have like thousands of dollars I'm trying to give to them, and they're all telling me they won't do it. And why? I thought. It would be the line about getting a gun, or because it's some implication about the black community. No, do you want to know what the number one reason Adam was? They didn't want to attack the police. <laughs> of course, they they don't want to say that comment about the police having no legal duty to protect you. And they said that was my opinion. This was their lawyers telling me that's your opinion. We don't want to put that on a sign. And no, that's course, the government's opinion. Yeah, that's the government. <laughs> ah, oh my god. No, but so, and, and you know what? Yeah. I get it, and they have the right to decide not to to participate. But man, that just shows you how. I mean, this this is kind of one of the things that really defines a police state, or at least is is a major indicator that you live in a police state. And different people define that different ways. And I'm not trying to have an expose on the definition here. But when your country, when, when police are not servants of the people, but a dominant force of corruption and self-preservation that uses manipulation and bullying and, frankly, terrorism to control the population that they're supposed to be serving, you have a police state. When people are afraid of something, but therefore they're, when major businesses, significant portions of the business community are worried about something as mild as this, as speaking out against the police state, or sorry, against the police, and you can't have their support as you would otherwise to say this. You're living in a police state. This is a state of intimidation to protect the status quo of law enforcement, and this is just another shameful reminder. And it's beyond that, Adam. So I, I, so like I said, this this organization is is about fighting on these civil rights fronts, right? And I I have people that I know already from you know. Uh, other organizations that I work with that have come forward, I have a few whistleblowers that are terrified, right? They 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 want to talk about the injustices going on behind closed doors. So, for example, without naming the department or mentioning who the person is, 
There's an individual I know who is a, a, a lawful immigrant to this country, and he serves in our armed forces. And he lives here in New Jersey, and he's been waiting. He was waiting for four months, roughly, to get his permit, right? And his chief and his – all the power in New Jersey lies with the police department in your locality, right? They are the ones that sign off on your on your permit. The, the, the township was just ignoring him. So he, I told him, you know, you need to go to your town council meeting and address the police commissioner or address whoever is in charge of the police department in a public setting. And the, the town kept telling him, oh, no, 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 we don't, you know, COVID is going on. Don't come here. Like, we're, we'll, we'll let, we'll let you know what the chief says, blah, 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 blah. So he posted something on, online and he, and he sent an email. It was like two communications. So what happened? Like four months later, after he's waiting for this permit, he got pulled into the police station. Uh, he got called into the police station and pulled aside and berated by a chief. How dare you speak out against us? How dare you talk you know, using foul language? How dare you say this? How dare you say that? Who do you think you are? Don't you know that there's a virus going on? So they developed these constructs where, well, yeah, you have rights, but now there's all these constructs here that we have an excuse to not honor them, right? It, it's, it's it's like you said, the right is not coming from a creator. It's not a natural right. It's coming from government. So we'll give it to you when we feel like giving it to you. And if you even ask for a status on it, right, because they ignore you for months. I, I, I'm not saying this with any hyperbole, Adam. Like people in New Jersey wait years for a shotgun. Like that's that's not a crazy thing. You cannot just walk into a store and buy a firearm. So there's this entire community of people that are scared and that contact us every day. I have another kid who I think he had some stupid like marijuana charge or something when he was a minor, right? Not even as an adult, which I don't even think would affect his ability to get a firearm. And he's like in his 20s now. And he's like asking me for advice on what to do because I'm aware, you know, how to deal with these things. And I gave him advice and he's like, yeah, I'm still too scared to go talk to the detective. I need to hire a lawyer. And he's going to spend thousands of dollars to just have a dialogue with the local police department because he's petrified of them. At the end of the day, it's a culture of fear and intimidation. And you're told, you wait your turn. Don't ask, don't ask any questions. Don't ask for a status. And if you interfere, we'll, well, you'll have negative repercussions. We'll threaten you for even questioning why we're not responding to you fast enough. All right, I got just two more questions for you, Daniel, here. The first one's going to be a hard one, sidebar. And then I'll bring it back with a softball for you to wrap up. So, you know, one of the things that is beautiful about what you're talking about is like attacking it from, you know, a different perspective, showing these more universal values, saying it's, it's not about these lives or these lives. It's your life. Your life matters. And I, I know you know the quote, if we don't hang together, we all hang separately. And it seems somewhat divisive. So I was, Wondering if, if you could say, how do these principles apply to what we're seeing right now in Seattle with the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone? I heard you talking about that earlier. Look, I don't I don't principally have an issue with what they're doing there. Um, we're seeing what happens when people spontaneously get together and decide to try to coexist and have a society. Now, I may have some disagreements with them. I may think they're hypocritical. I think many of the people that are there are espousing that they're doing something. And meanwhile, they're, they're asking for like vegan sandwiches and stuff from the outside. And they're, they're asking for food and water. Um, I mean, if they believe in, in the sovereignty of the individuals, I don't see it being acted out. Maybe I'm watching different footage, but I see a guy going in there proselytizing and everybody jumping on him and, you know, tackling him to the ground. Um, I've seen some, some violent acts. 
Uh, also, at the same time, I, I, I see people that own property there um, and they're shut out from being able to get into their stores and homes. So, look, while I principally don't have an issue with the concept of the autonomous zone, I, I also see other people's rights getting violated uh, as, it's, yeah. as it's transpiring. So uh, I, I know that's probably not the ideal answer you're looking for, but no, no, uh, no, no. It's, it, it, yeah, if I if I may, it's 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 actually very similar to mine, where you have to like I would say I'm barely but decisively you know pro Chaz in the sense that I support the heart of what it represents of people saying we're reclaiming a piece of the city of government property for our community and saying police aren't welcome and the rest of the U.S. government's not welcome. <clears throat> I think that's great. Even your analysis, though, it, you know, and, and, and it sounds like you've come to roughly the same position. And, and I, I, it's, I really hate the way the conversation is happening around this, where people go, well, they did this one bad thing, so their whole project's illegitimate. And you're like, really? But, even, Daniel, even the things that you point out, like the incident with the preacher, you know, how many people were involved in harassing him, you know? Half a dozen, a dozen. How many people are involved in the chat? Hundreds, thousands. You know, and so, so like it would be the same way to someone to 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 look at the United States, uh, you know, of America, and say, well, do you see how many people they lock up? And the whole nation must be shit, you know. Or to even judge the gun rights community. Well, did you know that most suicides in America are committed by handgun? Yeah, I don't think gun rights are a good idea. I don't think the gun rights community are good people. You know, like, it's that kind of just cherry-picking judgment that I think is, is really disgusting by the mainstream media and most people in the freedom community in general looking at the Chaz, not being able to separate, you know, yeah, small businesses in there who are being denied access, that's a problem. Rape, duh, that's a problem. Theft, duh, that's a problem. Now, is it theft of government-owned property, then that's not a problem because those are taxpayers taking back what's been stolen from them as long as it's like a reason they're not trying to take back. Anyway, I think it's it's really critical, and, and I'm glad that you at least have that same kind of nuanced position. And, and the other thing is you can disagree with people on everything and still praise them for doing one thing powerfully and beautifully correct. And I, and I think it's it, it would be great if the 2A community, and I use it deliberately there, the people who say it that way, could, could really recognize that there's this one righteous thing here and that, you know, you, you, we have to be able to say, I, I might disagree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. Same thing politically. I might disagree with how you're going to politically organize, but if you're doing it without forcing it on your neighbors, I want you to have that right. So finally, and maybe you can connect these ideas, Daniel, I want to, I want to read your mission statement for bluestarunion.com. And uh, I don't know if you want to bring up anything. I think it's a pretty, you know, your two big resume points, you've kind of like, I like how you really like downplayed that in this interview. Yet uh, I'm also a councilman. Uh, hello. Most, most jerks who sit on city councils go, hi, I'm councilman Francisco. Not, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a councilman, right? And, and that you were, you know, former executive director of Project Veritas. Pretty big resume checkpoint. So if you wanted to say anything about those, feel free. But uh, I want to give you a chance at least to, to wrap up with BlueStarUnion.com as your website. Mission statement under who we are says to educate the public about how to exercise 
their civil rights, engage with public officials, and build strong communities through media campaigns, publicly accessible programming, and community events. You're starting with a, a fun billboard project that's already got some beautiful controversy built into it. In the fulfillment of your mission, what's next? How can people get involved? What, what do you want people to do to, to, to help you with this? Yeah, and that, that underplaying is not completely unintentional. I've already gotten yelled at uh, by locals uh, in government saying, oh, you can't be doing this. You can't be saying these things. And, and yet we, we persist. Um, so, yes, you know, this this is intended to be uh, at the end of the day a sort of fraternity. And when I say that, I don't mean men. I mean humans, you know, getting together and having dialogues about things in a way that people normally don't talk about. Um, the, the overarching theme that people don't realize is at the end of the day, and you say this all the time, Adam, most people are good, right? And at, and government sits there, whether it's in your public schools, whether it's in the interactions you have in, in the corporate world with uh, required uh, uh, sensitivity training. Everything that government does to us trains us to be distrustful of other people. And I'm I'm so opposed to that in the most strictest sense. Um, most people are good. Most neighbors are not going to harm you. And uh, this concept that like if somebody has a 50% disagreement with you that they're not a civil person and you can't have a dialogue with them is crazy. If you were to talk to somebody who is an ardent Bernie Sanders supporter and someone who is a, a Trump supporter, outside of monetary policy and fiscal policy, you, they have quite a congruent you know, overlap, right? They might actually see eye to eye on a lot of things. So the point of this organization is to sort of be the antithesis of like the typical like neocon Ben Shapiro types where it's like, Oh, gotcha. You got owned. Thug life. And then stupid sunglasses showing up on the screen. Like, I, I honestly, man, that's like one of the things I hate more than anything. We, we, we want this to be a fraternity where people who have all stripes respect each other as individuals, but can get together and have real dialogue. And then us as the organization, we want to crowdsource donations from our members to engage in fun public stunts like this billboard to expose the hypocrisy of statism. And, and that at the end of the day is what we'd like to do. We'd like to change the world here in a way where we bring people together instead of trying to highlight how we're different and fomenting distrust. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us today, ladies and gentlemen. BlueStarUnion.com. All right, back to the headlines. Actually, before we do that, let's check in on our comment section. Comment Jim Freedom. Can we get you on the screen, right? Hey, hey, how's it going? There. I'm back. <laughs> yes. I, I did, there, there you are. Jim, you're kind of in the, in the dark. What? Now, hold on. You're outside in Phoenix today. Yeah. I'm weird like how, that. I like it how hot is it in Phoenix right now? Uh, It's pretty warm. I like it, though. I'm, I'm only looking at 95 right now. It's going to get up to 102. Oh, yes. <laughs> Aren't you glad we're doing the show a little earlier? Yeah. yeah. This is yeah, this, only in Phoenix would you hear, oh, it's only 95. <laughs> it's it's going to get, like, really, oh, my, like, it is. All right, enough enough about, about that. But you're sitting outside, and it's, you're, you're in the shade. I guess it feels a lot cooler there. But, man, yeah, you are, see, this is why, you know, people, you look at Jim and you go, what a caveman. With that beard and that beautiful flowing hair. And it's like, yeah, well, it's because he works out in the sun all the time. And you see him here around the Garden of Freedom, busting his butt, getting shit done, getting a big, getting a crispy tan. Are you crispy tan yet? 
it's been getting darker, man. Every time I go to the shower, I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, man, that's getting... I keep going like this to see if it's burnt, and I don't know. I just have a golden layer of tan, I guess. <laughs> All right, so do we have any better comments than this silliness? Well, we have uh, in our gallery today. I wanted to just bring up, uh, I found the uh, name of that movie that you were referencing, the, the Nazi movie. It's... Uh, oh. Yeah, from 1943. It's called Don't Be a Sucker. Or, well, it says 1943 in the article, but it says 1947 on the video. So it's from the 40s, and it's called Don't Be a Sucker. So Wow. don't i got to watch this. All right, yeah. hold on. Um, what does this headline say? A study of the short film Don't Be a Sucker suggests old attitudes about fascism in America have never gone away. This 1943 anti-Nazi film keeps going viral. It may be... Less effective than it seems. I got now, CJ. You got to send me that link. We're gonna cover that tomorrow. I'm, I'm gonna watch the video at some point or the rest of the movie. It seems like too much fun. We'll have a movie night here at the garden. Uh, that's wow. Hmm. I want to contest this. Is it less effective? Well, like if it's asserting an anti-fascist position, do you? It, it's one of those silly things. It's hard to measure the effectiveness, right? And you say, well, look. It's ineffective. We still have fascist attitudes. Yeah. Well, maybe we have less than we would have with, had without the video, but okay. All right. Any other comments? <laughs> uh, well, I had a question. I mean, he's not really there. I, I kind of wanted to ask uh, Daniel how much that billboard costed. Oh. Yeah, hey, buddy. How's it hey, going? He's still with us. Hey, there you go. Hey, yeah, I'm no, chatting yeah. with the backstage people. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Hey, how much did that billboard cost? Uh, the exact number is about a little under two grand. Oh, okay. That's Wait, actually to put it up and thing. to make it and print it. Well, and how how long does that get you? Like, is that like a month? Yeah. So I need to give you a little inside baseball on that. If you were to buy, I wanted to do this originally in like an urban city like Newark, where my family's actually from. My family immigrated to this country and all lived in Newark, New Jersey. Um, and those were the ones that were shooting me down because those are on government property, right? So of course the government, they own everything, right? So these are private companies that lease the billboards, but the property itself is a government property. So you can't talk about the police on government property. And you certainly can't tell people that the government doesn't have a duty to protect you on government property. So if you had, if I had bought one of those billboards, it would have been substantially more money. And I reached out to our community and found someone who owns or is related to or owns a, a gun range in South Jersey, and they actually own that billboard that we put it on. And to be clear, that again, that is not even the original message we wanted to do. Even that was censored to a degree to take out some of the language about, I couldn't put the word police, I couldn't put the word gun, weapon, uh, nothing alluding to firearms or weapons in any way, and police could not be mentioned. So uh, yes, it was too, too grand, but it, can, it would have been a lot more if I was somewhere else. So wait, what did $2,000 cover? The printing and having it up for a month? Exactly. That's a pretty good deal, actually, from what I've seen. And, and you must have got a good deal on the printing there as well. Um, but, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. And, and I, I want to point out uh, some of our friends here in Arizona, Jim, uh, Morpheus, who I think you know, I think you've met Morpheus Costanzo, the uh, Bitcoin activist. He, he put up um, a, a, a Ron Paul billboard. And it's just on private property somewhere out here, and they they got, uh, you know, they got some giant telephone posts and cut them down to the right size, 
and some cross beams, and then they had they had their thing printed and, and, and stretched on there themselves. And I, I don't know how much it costs, but it was it's it's in the range of that. But then you know they have a new billboard and it stays up forever. And there's one out here in like there there if you drive around the Southwest, you'll see some of these billboards occasionally. Um, there's one 911 Truth one. I forget what the link is, but it's like 911TruthNow.com or something like that. And there's one. There's a Ron Paul Revolution one that I think is still up. Somewhere in, in northern Arizona, southern Nevada, still like it's, it's uh, I don't want to say, you know, homemade, but yeah, it's like an independently made uh, billboard that someone put together with the Ron Paul Revolution slogan on it. So it's doable. And I and and Jim and and to say, you know, Daniel, where we are here in Arizona, northern Arizona, we're we're two miles from the forty, and there's a lot of fun fun property right by there, and it might be a cool billboard project for us to do an Adam versus the Man billboard. On the I-40. And, you know, we could probably get someone to, uh, you know, if we built them a billboard uh, with a stand to, to wrap a billboard on, that uh, we could probably, uh, you know, get free usage for the first year that it's up. It might be a good deal. We'll have to, we'll have to brainstorm about that one. I'll, I'll add that to our, our to-do list, Jim. Hey, uh, Big K has a question for you. Is New Jersey gun rights worse than New York? Oh, well, uh, was it Daniel? Yeah. While he was still here. Yeah, sure. Um, is New Jersey worse than New York? Is that the question? Yeah, is New Jersey gun rights worse than New York? Okay, so that's – the answer is yes with one caveat, which is New York City, which has its own jurisdiction and its own laws. But uh, New York is more county-based. Uh, so you can, if you live in the five boroughs, Nassau, Sussex, which is Long Island, or like Rockland, Orange County, which are all near New York City, those are like more draconian, a little more difficult. Forget like New York City proper. You're waiting six months just to have a conversation with a cop to ask permission, and you're filing affidavits and doing whatever else you got to do, uh, short of pulling your pants down and letting them check your or- every orifice. But I mean, <laughs> upstate. Upstate New York, there's people who, like, go into their sheriff, and I think in, like, a week or two, they have a carry permit, and they can buy whatever they want. New Jersey, you can't buy anything unless you get what's called a firearms ID card. That card then lets you buy only long arms and only a very specific subset of long arms. But to get that card, like I said, can be months to years, and that all falls down on your local police department. It goes from the state police and then down to your local police, and that's where the bottleneck usually happens. Um, and then if you want a handgun, you have to buy individual permits and pay for them and go through the same exact background process that you go through for the FID card again, which can be months or years. And then you can only buy one every 30 days because no one commits a crime on subsequent days. That you know We have to stop that from happening. Um, so yeah, and you can't carry. Carry is a de facto ban. In fact, if you guys have been paying attention to the Supreme Court a day or two ago, um, uh, Justice Thomas and, uh, Justice Kavanaugh were the only two that dissented from the rest of the court on taking up a New Jersey concealed carry case. That actually would have been the case that if the Supreme Court had heard it, would have overturned all of the draconian carry laws for every state. And it was predicated on a lawsuit from us here. Um, so carry is out of the question. We have 9 million people in the state. We have about 1,900 carry permits, and that includes retired police and includes armored car services. 
9,900,000. Like, let that number sink into your mind. I know who has those permits. It's politicians. It's celebrities. They know how to get through because they have either a lawyer with a ton of money that they know who to grease, or it's a politician or judge who's connected. Some of which my friends have footage of people admitting this, and people don't know that yet. And maybe that'll be part of our activism in the future. But um, look, if government wants to get armed, they they can get armed. Uh, it's just the people that are left high and dry. New Jersey is the worst to answer your question, though. <laughs> it's Jeremy Gooding asks, uh, did they have to put the asterisks on the billboard after being forced to alter the wording? So, yes, there was one broker we were working with who said for us to pitch this, um, we would need to put this asterisk there. And so we're like, I don't care. That's fine. Like, I actually want to cite the case law. I, I want to make it abundantly yeah, clear. Why, that, like, why an asterisk, though? An asterisk is almost discrediting as opposed to a footnote. You just put a one, like a superscript or subscript one, and then, you know, or something like that. I, I wasn't aware that there it somehow delegitimizes the point. If that's the case, I, I, I wasn't no, I aware. Just, I, but. I think when, when I read something, if I see an asterisk, you know, I, I might be inclined to skip it and just be like, oh, there's something more to this. Might not be exactly true, as opposed to a footnote, which tells me, oh, there's more some information explaining this. Got you. Yeah, we'll be mindful of that in the, in the future. I wasn't aware of that distinction, but uh, I mean, the Warren versus D.C. case is pretty nuts. Like, are you guys familiar with what happened yeah. in that case? Oh, I mean, there's, yeah, there's. There's so many. No, it's, it's it, but that you have to cite it and that people, I, I think you're right. It's a good thing that you put it on there for people who want to look it up and be like, yeah, this is, this is the reality that's being kept for me. That's a huge part of, you know, changing right. the conversation right now. And that it's not an opinion. That, that was, that was the entire, uh, uh, obstacle that I kept getting from all of these New York City, uh, you know, New York City and New Jersey marketplace corporatists. They all keep telling me, oh, well, this is your opinion. We're not going to post your opinion. This is not my opinion. This is the opinion of the Supreme Court and of the U.S. District Court. Um, like I said, the Warren versus D.C. case is crazy. These people in D.C. were calling the police while someone in, in another apartment building were getting raped repeatedly. And the police were called, circled the building, knocked on the door and said, oh, well, I don't hear anything, so I'm leaving. They left after five minutes. They called the police again. The police came back, circled the building. Oh, nothing happening. We're leaving. Then the perpetrators found the, the person calling 911 in the other apart, other apartment, then proceeded to, I'm not joking, rape them for like 14 hours or 12 hours. Some obscene, like physical massacre of this poor family. And there was a child there as well. And that's how this case bubbled up. You know, does the, does, was the police at fault there? And of, of course, like we all understand, like the point, I'm not trying to suggest that the government should be protecting us or even has the ability to protect us. Of course they don't. Right. We know that's impossible. I'm not, I'm not an idealist here. That's not what I'm saying, but it's to illustrate to the people here who get told with an attitude under the, with the force of government and police, don't bother us about your permit, go away, wait your year, wait your two years, shut up and get back in your hole. And then at the same time, the Supreme court and the district courts tell us, they don't have a duty to protect you and you can't sue the police department if you get raped, burgled, whatever, you know, something happens. That dichotomy, people don't understand here. They, they don't get it. They just have this fantasy that at any point they can call the government and the government comes and saves you. And that's not how it works. Excellent. Thank you, Daniel. Any other questions for our guests or we, we got any other comments? Jim? Uh, 
One last question, Big K. Is anyone aware how many constitutional carry states there are now? Anyone <coughs> answer that? Uh, I'm sure you can look it up. There's got to be a map of that. So yeah. There's a, there's, there, I've seen several maps published of, like, you know, the, the map of the United States with different colors for each state and categorizes gun rights in each one. It's not yeah. hard to look up. All right, let's, let's breeze through a couple of head, headlines with our last few minutes here. And, you know, we've, we've got uh, from Russia, Russians, Russia's Putin protected from coronavirus by disinfection tunnel. We're not going to get to the video of this. It would just be fun. It's just fun to point out that there's a special tunnel now at Putin's residence outside Moscow where he receives visitors, where they have mass people going through it being sprayed with disinfectant from the ceiling and the side. That's what you have to do if you want to see uh, Mr. Putin himself. We're going to come back to India and China tomorrow. From goodnewsnetwork.org, Kentucky Tattoo Parlor is creatively covering up hate tattoos for free. Nice piece of good news here. Um, and we wanted to do this segment today. I don't think we have time for good news in history for June 17, but we're going to make this a regular part of the show. Um, I really love what, uh, what this website represents, so I want to thank uh, Matt again in the Telegram chat for bringing that to our attention. One other hot story I want to get to today from CNN.com, CNN Business. The Aunt Jemima brand acknowledging its racist past will be retired. Why am I not so concerned about its racist past as opposed to its present ingredients list? Well, let's read on and find out, shall we? Quaker Oats is retiring the more than 130-year-old Aunt Jemima brand and logo, acknowledging its origins are based on a racial stereotype. They said the Pepsi-owned company. Now, wait, you go, wait a second. Aunt Jemima, Quaker Oats, Pepsi. Why do we have this corporate consolidation of food producers in America? Corporatism, the banking system the Federal Reserve, all of the government policies that favor corporate conglomeration. The quote reads, as we work to make progress toward racial equality through several initiatives, we also must take a hard look at our portfolio of brands and ensure they reflect our values and meet our consumers' expectations. Aunt Jemima's appearance has evolved over time. The brand's origin and logo is based off the song Old Aunt Jemima, from a minstrel show performer and reportedly sung by slaves. The company's website said the logo started in 1890 and was based on Nancy Green, a storyteller, cook, and missionary worker. However, the website fails to mention Green was born into slavery. There have been repeated calls for the company to change the logo. In a 2015 opinion piece published in the New York Times, Cornell University professor Rich A. Richardson said the logo is very much linked to Southern racism. Richardson said the Aunt Jemima logo is based on a mammy, a devoted and submissive servant who eagerly nurtured the children of her white master and mistress while neglecting her own. By the way, it says it has to point out in the story, a statue of a slave mammy stereotype was approved by the U.S. Senate in 1923, but it was never built. The company also ran racist ads for several decades with actresses 
personifying the Miami stereotype. It evolved the logo over the years and even hired singer Gladys Knight as a spokeswoman in the 90s. Today, Aunt Jemima describes itself as a brand that stands for warmth, nourishment, and trust. Qualities you'll find in loving moms from diverse backgrounds who want the very best for their families. So they they took this uh, racist, and, and, you know, some people would be tempted to say, well, it's a positive stereotype. No, it's still a, a harmful and demeaning stereotype that you don't need to use to sell syrup. But this is Pepsi. What are they selling? Now, I turned to Amazon.com to look up the ingredients list. And I thought, hey, I'll just punch in Aunt Jemima. First thing that comes up, you know, flip through the pictures. There'll be a picture of the back of the bottom. You see exactly what the ingredients are. Took me a few tries, actually. It's almost like they're hiding it. In one image, uh, one of the, the products on Amazon, you see the Aunt Jemima from the front, crystal clear, high-resolution photo. You see the photo of the back of the bottle, the fine print. It's, it's so small and blurry, you can't read the fine print of what the ingredients are. So I found this one. It was a little ways down the list. CJ, if you would, yeah, go to the back bottle. This year, actually, the second picture there, they had to put the nutrition facts on this one. So in this bottle of about 63 servings, serving size, two tablespoons. Who eats just two tablespoons of syrup, really? Amount per serving, calories, 100. Total fat, sodium, zero. Sodium, 1%. Carbohydrates, 25 grams. Sugars, 15. Includes 15 grams of added sugars for 31% of your daily value. Whoa. This must be pure sugar, right? Carbs. What are the added sugars? Let's go to the ingredients. Just right below that. Corn syrup, number one. Now, you would think, okay, for their number two ingredient, surely they must have some, like, real food, not chemically. And by the way, if you don't know what corn syrup is, look it up. They they don't grow corn in America anymore in, in, to, to be eaten nearly as much as they grow it to be turned into food product derivatives like corn syrup. And it is a horrific, toxic process that creates a sugar, in a technical sense it's a sugar, it's not a natural sugar, corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup, that is poisonous to human beings. This is poison. Corn syrup is poison. Like, this is... So, you think maybe their second ingredient's going to be real food? No. Number one, corn syrup. Number two, high fructose corn syrup. Okay. Number three, surely for number three, they can ask them this real. No. Filler. Water. Water. It's what Now, okay, so, they, yeah, because the corn syrup naturally is too thick. It's thicker than natural syrup. They have to add water, so then water it down. What else do they add? Cellulose gum. Flavor, texture, I don't know. Then what do they add? Caramel color. Okay, we're at one, two, three, four, five ingredients before we get to salt. The first real food here. I don't know, maybe you should count water. After, so it's corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup. Natural and artificial flavor. Every time I see natural and artificial flavor, I'm like, you could have just said flavor. This isn't any, like, what is what is the natural and artificial flavor? First of all, what a cop-out. 
What are you, what, what are you putting in my food? I, it's not my food. <laughs> I don't eat this crap. Natural and artificial flavor. Like, okay, so if you said natural flavors, we say, okay, so there's natural, unnatural. So artificial would be unnatural. What are you leaving out here? Supernatural flavors? Okay, sodium benzoate and sorbic acid for preservatives. So that you could put this on a shelf and make it last forever. Sodium hexametaphosphate. They don't even tell you. Like, what? What is this stuff? Now, I, you don't have to go. Oh my God! They put all this little stuff in our food, and there's all these little additives. Oh no, additives. Number one, corn syrup. Number two, high fructose corn syrup. And they want you to believe that if they just take the racist face off the bottle, it's still okay to sell you this poison. No, it's not. And one of the most important values of the message of freedom, of questioning authority, is the benefits you, that you get for your own health by not buying into the hype and the bullshit and the people who want to sell you poison and make you think it's okay because, hey, <laughs> they're not racist. And that's our show for today on this wonderful Wednesday morning on June 17th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, any final notes from uh, our co-host Jim or Bruce or CJ? You guys want to join me on screen for, for a little sign-off? Oh, right, look at that. Beautiful. Oh, no, 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 go with the side by side. Oh, that was so cool. Oh, no, Jim can do this. But then I can do this. These guys. We're having way too much fun with this. All right. People also ask, is sodium hexametaphosate harmful? When tested on lab animals, swollen kidneys, the loss of bone calcium, unusual muscle fiber, oh, my gosh. Extreme skin irritations and other precursors to cancer were seeing short-term side effects of sodium hexametaphosphate include headaches, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, and gastrointestinal irritation. Oh, but if you just have, you know, a little bit, just, just two, two teaspoons at a time, you just have one serving, you'll be okay. Oh, my gosh. This is it's all part of the medical food complex. Really, that's what... The, the medical food industrial complex. Can we? We got to work on that. We'll, we'll workshop that. CJ, thank you for that little extra note at the end. Yeah, yeah. Again, as everybody, uh, don't uh, forget to sign up for the the Patreon. We got the good, better, best as well. Uh, and then don't forget to go over to. Can I do it real quick? The uh, thefreedomline.com. Make sure to get the book downloaded in every digital format. <laughs> and uh, help support the broadcast in any way, shape, or form you can just by like, sharing, subscribing, doing everything you guys already know how to do on social media, and you do it well as you see the reach that we have is because of our audience. So thank you to everybody there as well. So that's all I've got for today, sir. I'll leave it to Jim. Just one all more right, quick, Jim. One more quick reminder. Uh, if you sign up on the Patreon, you don't have to buy a book because we're going to send you one. Adam's going to sign it. He'll put any personal message you want into it, and we'll send you one just for signing up for the Patreon. So that's an added bonus there. 
Uh, the last email or the last comment that I want to bring up for the show as we close out was a good one. Draco Chainmail again. He likes your billboard idea. He says, Gorilla billboarding as seen in Fight Club might be an interesting idea. Yeah. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to look more into that. I, that that was a, a more reasonable price than than I was expecting. And the la- last thing I want to say, Chris G was our only super chatter today, so he won our little contest. So Chris G, if you're still watching, please email producer at thefreedomline.com so we can get your information, get you added into that Patreon producers club. All right. With that being said, mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. 